Welcome to the Even the Rocks podcast, where we believe that just like the rocks cry out proclaiming Jesus as our Savior, our symptoms cry out to help us support our temple. I'm Lindsay. And I am Danielle, and we are your hosts here. We are both nutritional therapy practitioners with a biblical worldview, and within this podcast, we will teach you the way God created our bodies to be innately intelligent. You will be pointed to Jesus and understand how to support your body best. I think just like simple, simple tap, like simple things that you can do to change your lifestyle, like taking the stairs instead of the elevator, <clears throat> parking. Okay. I know, I know that it's like a simple thing and people say, oh, well, you know, I park, I park away whenever I go to the grocery store. No, but that really matters. Like, you know, back in the day, people walked everywhere. They did everything they were moving with everything that they did. And we are so stagnant that we, we wake up, we walk around our house. We do very minimal, you know, unless you have your Apple watch on. Yep. Hi y'all. Welcome to even the rocks podcast. Today we are going to be talking about our lifestyle and just how just changing your lifestyle, a few different tasks can change the trajectory, the trajectory of your health. And so, you know, something as simple as taking the elevator, taking the elevator versus taking the stairs, they have two completely different things. They might take you, actually, they probably don't take you that much longer to go on the stairs than it would to go on the elevator, but it can drastically change what your body is doing, how your body is digesting your food, how much weight you're going to be losing, you know, all of these different things, not even about those things, but just your, your whole health in general. Yeah. Um, so before we start this episode, we just kind of flushed through some ideas to like recenter us. And, you know, I think for me, what comes to mind when I hear it's a lifestyle, not a diet. When I hear that, I hear marketing and I hear that people want to um, overtake and overhaul my life and give me a product or a template or um, a good and bad list or, you know, like they're trying to oversimplify, but yet they're overhauling my life and trying to make money off of me when a lifestyle. So, you know, we did not learn our habits overnight, right? Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to let's think about the car analogy. I don't know if we've used that before, but we have um, for I for sure talk about it with my clients a lot. You know, when we first started to learn to drive. It wasn't a habit yet. We were very um, intentional about putting our seatbelt on, checking our mirrors, um, making sure like nothing was behind us and checking our blind spot. Not saying you shouldn't do all of this anyway, but <laughs> we were very intentional about checking all these things, making sure that we our um, seat was in the right position, making sure that the, you know, whatever was right. Right. But then over time, as we got used to driving and used to those behaviors of grabbing that seatbelt and putting it on and like backing out. We do not think about it anymore. We it, just do it. We just do it. So it, if someone is trying to tell you it's a lifestyle, not a diet, but yet they're giving you all these rules and all these things that you must implement right now, like right now for it to be successful, I would kind of run. I mean, I wouldn't walk. I would run. I would run away because lifestyle is slow. Lifestyle habits are a slow change and a slow progression toward being the person you want to be 
or toward the person you don't want to be. So you can always choose. Um, you can always choose to obviously do habits that you don't that reflect someone you don't want to be. And so I always talk about it like this. I always say if I identify as a healthy person, I am going to do what a healthy person does, whether I'm healthy right now or not. I am going to do what a healthy person does. A healthy person is not going to park at the closest spot, like the spot next to the handicap parking. I don't think that's correct. Is that, do you say handicap or disciple, uh, disciple, dis disabled parking? I don't know what it's called. Um, but anyway, you know, like the, the special spots up front, are you parking next to that? Or are you parking further away because you know, you've been sitting at your desk all day and that you haven't had enough steps and you are trying to be intentional about your movement. You show me your habits and I'll show you where you're headed right? Yeah. What, what you do every day is what matters. You know, whenever I am intentionally working out, whenever I'm getting up early in the morning and starting my day off, reading my Bible, when I start my day off going to work out, when I start my day off properly drinking my water, the first thing in the morning, that's not something that I think about whenever I'm focusing on those habits. If I mess up those, because for a long time, that has been ha habitual. I wake up, my, my water's right there. I drink it. I go in the living room. I read my Bible because it's right there on my coffee table. I get up, I work out because that's what I do. It helps me to get energy. If there are a couple days, even a couple days where I'm like, oh man, yesterday I hit the snooze for an hour. Every 15 minutes, my phone continued to go off. If I continue to do that, and if I continue to hit my snooze, if, you know, 10 days in a row, that's creating a habit. Yeah. That's creating something that is causing me to not do the things that I intentionally do every day. You know, whenever I do wake up and drink my water, when I wake up and drink and, and read my Bible, when I wake up and go work out, those things have easily become a habit, but it takes that first step. It takes, it does, it, what it doesn't take is making all these huge goals on January 1st and saying, okay, I'm going to work out every day this year and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to read 15 minutes every day of this year. Like making these strict, I, maybe it's the personality type that I am. I've been reading a lot about personality types lately. <laughs> a little self, self evaluation, but I do not do well with, okay, do, do all these things. And I have to, you know, I'm that kind of person who, if I want to change something, I am going to write a whole list of all these things that I need to do to change. And then it sits there for two months. And then I finally come back and I see it and I'm like, mm, I did none of that. What it takes is changing your lifestyle one thing at a time, waking up and being intentional about what you're doing and going on from there. Yeah. And I, I, I love how you like segued into where I was like, my brain was going to is that I love that we work like that. Um, and, um, so thinking about habit building, um, the overhauls and giving yourself too lofty of, um, like, or I guess too ambitious of habit change will set you up for failure, plain and simple. Because what that doesn't allow is you to have life happen. We cannot control everything around us. Yes, we can control the way we respond, what goes in us for the most part. Um, we can control what comes out of us and you know what we spend our time doing, those kinds of things. But when life happens and you have not 
like really truly settled into we're, we're talking about living a healthy lifestyle like obviously on our podcast um so if you have not truly settled into every aspect that looks like healthy to you which again is bio-individual except for a few things but what it looks like is going to be bio-individual um you are going to as soon as something happens you're going to fall off the rails and you are going to go back to who the person you don't want to be. Let me give you an example. Um, and I, again, make it a little bit like emotional a little bit because this is, this gives me such joy to walk alongside my clients and have a front row view of what God is doing in and through them. And one of my clients, I have been working with her, I think just over a year now. And, um, again, it's a lot of my clients stay with me for a year or I have one that's been with me for like three and a half years. Um, but it's not, it, it's because it's a slow progress. We do not do fast and we don't do unsustainable things. So this client has had like massive success. She's lost a ton of actual fat. She has, um, been working out her lifestyle. She wanted to go, like she has three boys and a husband and they're very much into outdoors and, um, she's able to climb and hike and do all these things that she wasn't able to do last year. Right. Well, um, her mom got really sick. Her mom had cancer, beat cancers, like hind in, and then something happened. She ended up back in the ICU and they just kind of knew, like my client knew that mom wasn't coming out of that alive. And, um, the whole time. So this was, this started, I think back in April, so back in April to, it's now September that we're recording this. And this woman did everything that a healthy person does. She reached out to her accountability, which was me. She reached out to her mentor. Um, and I was able to mentor her through things. She was able to listen to her body and her body was able to trust her that it was going to get what it needed and not things that it didn't need. She was able to still pack her lunch to go to the hospital. She was still able to move her body intentionally in the ways that her body needed. Maybe it wasn't moving weights that day, right? Like, I'm not saying you have to move heavy weights every day, but maybe she took the extra steps. Maybe she, at the hospital, she paced around the room for 15 minutes instead of sitting for those 15 minutes. She was implementing little habits of things because she's like, I know that the me in this moment is, or I'm sorry, the, the me two, three months from now, whenever this is done is going to appreciate the me now that doesn't go to the ice cream, that doesn't go and eat her stress. And instead is... That wasn't her habit anymore. No, it wasn't. And again, little by little, like, and it was shocking to her. And I'm just like sitting here over here, like static, excited that this woman cared. She was not the same person she was last year. Well, and not so much that she cared, but she had... Because in that moment, I mean, do you really care about anything when your mom's dying? You know, you yep. don't care about anything. You don't care about your, you don't care about anything when you are going through that kind of trauma. Yep. But she had set up something for, for two years at that point. A year. To where, like yeah. this, this is just what I do. Yep. I don't take the elevators anymore. I take the stairs. That's huge. You know, biblically speaking, when we go through something traumatic like that, and we are not habitually in our Bible, we're going to see the effects of that. Because at that point, it's not about 
if, if it's not about habit at the end, and I'm not saying we need to read our Bible as a habit because it needs to be with our savior, you know, you know, but if it is something that we do every day, if we meet with Jesus every day, instead of, oh yeah, I meet with that friend once a week, you know, think about it like that. Whenever I, when I used to be a children's pastor, the number, you know, I was with all these kids and, and in our church today, we're all scared to pray. It's like this terrified, oh, somebody just asked to pray. Let's, let's look the other way. So nobody calls me out and I have to pray. But my, this was something I taught weekly with my kids. We would sit in a circle and be like, okay, Jesus is sitting right here. We left a spot open for him. Just talk to him. Yep. Just talk. Yep. Just talk to Jesus like you're talking to me, like you're talking to your friend. Just talk to him. It doesn't have to be this, like, like I said, it doesn't have to be this strict rule follow. You know, I didn't make my kids. Maybe I'm sacrilegious and people would throw me under the bus. I didn't make my kids close their eyes when they prayed. No. Because why? Why do they need to close their eyes? They're just talking to Jesus. He's sitting right here next to you. What are you going to say to him? Absolutely. And when, I, we, when we don't look at Jesus like that, when we don't look at reading our Bible as a way to spend time with him, if we just, you know, Danielle, you and I talk every, we talk constantly. <laughs> like we are busy all day long. We are with clients all day long. We are with our family. We are, we are, yesterday was Danielle's daughter's birthday. We probably spent, what? I don't even know how many hours we spent on Marco Polo yesterday, just sending each other thoughts back and forth because, because we have this, you know, we're starting this, we're working our businesses together. We're doing all these things together. We're constantly going back and forth for ideas for our mentorship that we're starting. We're constantly talking throughout our day for our business because, because we've become great friends over the internet. We've never yep. met in person. <laughs> yep. I was thinking about this yesterday. When we finally meet in person, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, our husbands are going to have to go have dinner somewhere else because are they like they're going to leave us they're going to yeah but if we're not constantly talking to the person that is making us breathe yeah we, now i breathe intentionally when i do my breathing exercises every morning yeah but i'm not breathing intentionally while i'm talking to y'all while i'm recording this podcast that's just something that God is doing inside me. That it's is literally, yeah, he is constantly doing that. Every breath I take without thinking about it is him breathing life into me constantly. And so if I'm not talking to him, like I talk to Danielle every day, I'm at fault. Yep. That's, that's not, that needs to be habitual in the fact that whenever I think about I think about a podcast episode, whenever I think about a video that we need to do in our, our mentorship, whenever I think about our next post on our, even the rocks podcast, uh, Instagram page, whenever I think about all these different things habitually in my business, I need to tell this to Danielle. Then I tell you whenever I am walking throughout my day, am I constantly praying? You know, uh, first Thessalonians five sixteen says, pray continuously. Yep. So if I'm not constantly thinking when I'm washing my dishes, when I'm taking my dog out, it's, it's not something where right before I, right before I eat a dinner, I say grace right before I go to sleep. I pray when I wake up, I pray 
No, when you're taking a poop, be praying about it. Well, not, not specifically the poop. Well, maybe. But yeah, maybe if you're constipated, pray <laughs> that Jesus relieves your bowels. Yeah. But, but that's something that we're constantly praying about. And not, you know, I know those people who, I don't know. We don't want to be someone who, oh, I'm just going to go pray about this. And we, we. It's flippant. Right. That's flippant. Like, oh, I'm just going to go pray about this. Oh, have you prayed about that yet? I don't like to ask those questions just because that sounds like hyper religious to me. Yeah. And it's not about religion. It's about, yeah, I'm pooping. So I'm going to pray while I have five minutes, you know, to just sit and relax. My brother actually gave his heart to Jesus while he was pooping when he was like uh, six years old. (laughs) So there is a huge connection to pooping and praying. Yes, there is. (laughs) But I think that you're, so that praying without ceasing is that like throughout our day, just like, I love that, that example that, um, a metaphor or whatever that connection that you just gave of like talking to someone like you and I talk like you're right we talk how many hours uh, on uh, Marco Polo and yeah and it's that amount of communication when something comes up in my mind about our um, business our businesses together I'm like oh I need to tell Lindsay that so that we like or whatever how often do you the listener stop and think Oh, this come up. Maybe I should pray about it. My best prayers. So if you are from, um, I know that we have some listeners in Indiana, um, but if you are from Indiana or familiar with Indianapolis specifically, there is something called the North and South split. And I lived South of the South split. So I was constantly driving that like constantly. And it's 65, I 65 and I 70. That's where they meet and kind of split off and go. So I will never forget there was one time that God was like, I was, I always prayed on my whole way to, to school. I prayed over my students. I prayed over my day, I prayed over the things that were on my heart. Um, and I prayed verbally. And what would happen is, you know, like on when the, this is like when, I don't know if it was new, but for me, it was new that my car, that my phone was on my car. You know what I mean? Like that car player, whatever it's called. Um, so I was driving and I would literally, when I said, amen, I would hit the end button as if I was talking to somebody on the phone. And I'm like, Oh wait, that's, that's not what I just did. But like, (laughs) I will never forget just how much my life changed, how much that that allowed my heart to be open and free and just to hear some really hard things that God needed to tell me. And some really hard things. Like I literally felt like I was slapped in the chest one time. Because there was a sin that I was dealing in, and um, I don't even know how else to say it, but it was a, it was a pet sin, and it was this sin that like just continued. You know, like you know, what I'm talking about like that cyclical thing. Like I would say, God, please forgive me. I don't want to do this anymore. Blah blah blah. Then I kept doing it, and I kept doing it, and I kept doing it, and finally he smacked me and said, "Are you serious this time?" And from that point on, my life got really hard. It got really hard because I said yes. And then what happened after that, though, is freaking pure joy. Is like living out my answered prayers. Because I was able to go, like, after saying, yes, God, I'm done. I am done with this behavior. 
my pet sin. I'm done. And he was able to everything, everything in my life, everything in my life went like to the crap shooter. It did. It was so bad. And then little by little, by continuing to surrender to that same voice, that same smack in the chest. Like, I think God just has to smack me. I call it the big red truck thing, the big red truck syndrome. Like, I need God to, like, literally, like, put his hand on me, not thumb, a hand on me to, like, get my attention sometimes. And I am living in answered prayers. I'm living in prayers that I was asking God for. I can pinpoint 18, 19, 21, 23. I'm living in that. If we are not intentional with our habits and our relationship with God, and we just see him as a Sunday friend, or we see him as a nighttime friend. I I struggle. I know that, I know that scripture says that he is our friend. And I struggle with that because he is so much more than my friend. He is my freaking savior. He is my God. He is the one that is giving me eternal life. He is the one that allows me. He tore the freaking veil by getting on that cross. He did that so I can have relationship with him now and not just when I get to heaven. And I think that we forget and overcomplicate things that then we, like I've said this before, but paralysis happens. We don't do it. And when Pete, when you start to feel like, oh, like my relationship with God is not strong anymore, or like, where's God in this? Well, it's not God. Like he's still there. He is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He is there. He's still on the mission. You just fell off track. You just fell off the path. And when I say you, I also mean me. It's it, <laughs> like, so like, uh, that's just what I mean. Because there are some times I'm just like, okay, God, like, when, where'd we last, where'd we last leave off? Yeah. And then that is a struggle. Like that hurts because then it's like going back into our like physical health, right? Thinking about my physical health, you get on the scale and you see that number change in a way that you, like you can't explain that it's not muscle gain. Let's just say that number goes up and you know, it's not from muscle. And you're like, where did I last leave off? When did I start eating potato chips again? Yeah. Or like, or indulging in potato chips again, or over, you know, like not paying attention. I think what we forget about is as well with lifestyle is that there's always accountability, whether you want it, see it or use it or not. There's always a form of accountability happening. Always accountability in every area of our life. Yeah. There's either a lack of accountability or there is a, what word am I looking for? An avoidance. Yeah. A lack of, uh, yeah, we're avoiding account. There's always, we're always going to have accountability, whether it's with an accountability partner, whether it's with someone in your life or whether it's with the whole, with, with Jesus himself, there's always going to be accountability in our life. It matters whether we listen to that accountability or we ignore and avoid that accountability. Yeah. And I think accountability is, is huge for every every aspect of our life because because like like your client her mom was dying she was heartbroken she couldn't focus on anything she had accountability and she she fell into you as her accountability she could have said screw it i don't want this accountability it was still there 
but she wasn't seeking out that if she wouldn't have seek sought out that accountability if she wouldn't have sought out the habitual things that she had been doing in her life and even those habits like i'm sure that was still hard but it had become such a repetitive thing in her life that her lifestyle had shifted so yeah. you know let's let's say you're in the middle of a sin let's say you're in the middle of a sin or or being unhealthy and and you're you're just having a hard time getting away from that sin getting away from that unhealthy habit you have to make it a habit to do what is right in that moment you know if you are what whatever sin it is if you're looking at pornography you have to make it a habit to not be doing that anymore if yeah. it's if it's cheating on your boyfriend you or your husband it's you have to flip it so that you're I am going to do everything intentionally to, to focus on not having that sin anymore. And, and that might be really hard. It might be hard to, to shut completely away from that sin. In that moment, you have to turn to accountability. You have to turn to, to your client. Your client has to turn to you and be like, this is really hard right now. I want to do every, I want to go back to that old, old obese me who who didn't have habits, who didn't have healthy habits, who didn't rely on accountability, you know, and, and the, the personality that I am, I don't want accountability. I want to do it all myself. I'm a leader. I'm not a follower. I don't follow people. I'm going to do it the way that I'm going to do it. But even in that, I still need that accountability because when I get, when I get on a path of unhealthy habits on a path of, of straying away from the Lord, when I don't have that accountability, it's easier. Yeah. It's easier to follow the unhealthy habits. It, my husband and I, when, when one of us gets up and we're like, okay, we're going to the gym this morning. Oh, but I really don't want to go to the gym this morning. I'm super tired. We went to bed late last night. Like I, I don't want to get up, but when he is right there and he's telling me we're going to the gym this morning. Oh, okay. Look, I'm tired, but let's go to the gym. Yeah. When, when we're both tired, when we both aren't wanting to wake up and go to the gym, we bounce off each other. And so we stay in bed for 30 more minutes or an hour and don't go to the gym. Yep. So having that accountability in each other, in supporting each other in, and that's the thing. I am a leader. My husband's also a leader. And so, so we need each other leading He's my leader, but yeah. I need that. Even though I try really hard to be the, be a leader, yep. it's the problem in my life. <laughs> yes, no, I get it. That so that kind of like goes into like how I work with clients, and I use what's called the area model, like A R E A. Okay, so the first step that I will always do with my clients is awareness. How are we aware of what we are? We have to become aware of what we are doing, how much or what and about how much is going in us of everything, stress, food, water, um, caffeine, friendships, relationships, like anything that has to do with who you are, you need to be aware of what is coming in. Okay. You mm -hmm. also need to be aware of what's coming out whether that be poop, whether that be your sexual um, relationship with your husband or your wife or whatever, um, whether the that be saying, the, what'd you say? The words you're saying, the words you're saying, the amount of like the amount of time you're spending praying, the amount of time, like 
anything that can come out of you. So we start with awareness and then we move into R, which is responsibility. Now, responsibility ebbs and flows. We should not be weighing every morsel of our food every day, every year for the rest of our lives. We should not be being fed um, scripture, fed Bible studies every day, every year of our lives. What I mean by that is we got to take some responsibility to, instead of being fed milk, you know, like the nursling, the milk, we need to be eating some steak sometime. Like we need to be the ones that are like actually getting in the meat and potatoes of it and doing it ourselves. But there's a time that you may be very busy and showing up to a Bible study is enough. Like that's, that's, that's great. But you need to be in the word and having more responsibility. And again, the ebbs and flows. Okay, so there's that. Then there is E, A-R-E. E is for education and encouragement. If you don't have someone teaching you, discipling you, rebuking you, and encouraging you, you're missing a huge piece of that well-rounded heading toward who you want to be. Then you have A, accountability. That accountability piece has to be there. So it's like the A's, the awareness and accountability, like bookend this whole idea of responsibility and education and um, what education and encouragement. But the two big pieces are awareness and accountability. And it's all bookended with all of that to make a flippant healthy person. Yeah. And if you desire to be a healthy person, or you call yourself, or you desire to be an avid follower of Christ, like totally sold out to him and want to do nothing but serve him. Awareness, responsibility, education, encouragement, and accountability. If you, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, and your habits and behaviors don't reflect that, you don't have the area model set up. If you are a... Um, if you're someone that desires to be healthy, you maybe look the part, but you know that your habits do not reflect the part. Or maybe you call it, you want to be healthy and you've never been healthy your whole life. And you, or you feel like you've never been healthy or it's not an option for you or <clears throat> like um, obesity and obesity related diseases, digestive upset, upset, blood sugar issues, heart disease. All of this is just on your path. Like this is just going to have to happen. I got to deal with it, make peace with it, whatever. I'd be thinking about your habits. I'd be thinking about your area model, your awareness, your ed uh, responsibility, your education and encouragement, and your accountability. You've got to do something. That is like my recipe for success. I just gave you for free my recipe for success for my clients. It sounds easy. But you know, but but heart disease and, di and being a diabetic, that's just genetic. You know what? We have that's this genetic, Danielle. We have this fancy thing, this term that we like to call epigenetics. Epigenetics is your habits. A, your habits are genetic. <laughs> yes, that is like that right there. So, like I, when someone tells me, "Oh, but I, you're like," because my dad had, I honestly can't tell you how many heart attacks my dad has had. But back in two thousand thirteen. February of 2013, my dad had a quintuple bypass. Quintuple, meaning five of his arteries had to be replaced because they were completely clogged and not working. And so they took um, some of the veins from his leg 
and then replace them in his like in his chest. I actually don't know exactly where I did then, but I don't remember now. Um, but they, and then what happened was, you know, he's diabetic and all, right? He's diabetic. So his veins that they took and cauterized and cut off in the leg, they weren't cauterized. They just kept bleeding, just kept bleeding. So my dad nearly died, but they saved his heart. And I will never honestly forget like how I was just so confident. No, I, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like heart surgeons are like they there's a reason that they're heart surgeons and that they're like so much success because they've learned so much and that they they're understanding that organ for the most part, that kind of thing. So don't get me wrong. Like I trust most cardiologists and um, cardiothoracic surgeons. Like that's great. I'm grateful for them because my dad is still here. However, I sat there and I decided in that moment when I saw my dad come out on that ventilator not conscious to the world, nothing. He was on a ventilator because that's what they do when, you, when you're on bypass. Comes out and I vowed I would not do that to my children on purpose with as much as I can control. And then I started looking. Habits. Yeah, it's exactly, it was habits. I learned that in my family, we didn't talk about our emotions. If you talked about your emotions, you were ridiculed. I was ridiculed. I, I'm not gonna say you. I was ridiculed. I was um, holier than thou. I was on a pedestal. I had a crystal ball. My mother-in-law, I'm just going to throw this out there, but my mother-in-law always said, well, you have a crystal ball and like, like really very snarky and rude. Anytime I shared my emotions, it didn't matter where it was, right? It didn't matter where I was when I shared my emotions, I was in trouble. And I can, I'm going to give you an example here because I want you to, I want our audience to understand that trauma doesn't mean that you were necessarily like physically beat or sexually abused or, you know, like something create like a drug house. It doesn't necessarily mean that I, I was in, I have two examples I'm going to share with you. Um, and I'm getting like super vulnerable here because this has to do with how I learned habitually to use food to cope. Okay. I was in fifth grade. Um, I started my period in fifth grade. So I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't necessarily like childish, but I was like understanding world a little bit differently and um, one of my lifetime childhood friends pulled the chair out from underneath me in class, like right before we get to leave. It was funny. Like I was dying laughing. And our teacher was, he was great. He like, he just joked about it and moved on. And then he made my friend write me a, a, an apology note. It was hilarious. Like I still laugh about it today because it was funny because we were both like being snarky to one another. Um, and my mom found out and she was embarrassed, like embarrassed. And made me feel like I was about an inch tall. And I was laughing about it. And I was like, okay, like, that's weird. Like, I can't have fun. Like, you know, I started feeling that. And then moved into six, no, six it was in middle school. Um, in Indiana, there's a big rivalry between IU and Purdue. And my assistant principal, he was a huge Purdue fan. And I was a massive IU fan. Like, I was neurotic anyway. Um he came up and started to joke with me about the game. Totally fine. Like, that's just kind of how it is. Um, and I was in, I was crying or emotional about something and he thought he had hurt my feelings. So he like what a, a really good quality, um, uh, administrator would do. He went to, he called my mom. It's like, I'm so sorry. I think I might've hurt Danielle's feelings. You know, all of this, I just want to make sure that, you know, she's okay when she gets home, that kind of thing. Right. I got home and I got in trouble because I showed my emotions in public. And I learned instead of expressing myself, 
that I had to eat to stuff my emotions. I made the connection that food quashed anything I felt. But then I experienced a lot of anger. Were you big for your age at that point? I was always big for my age. Like, I don't, except for when I was born. I don't remember a time that I wasn't big for my age. Um, I think by the time I was in fifth grade, I was over, I think I was pushing 200 pounds. Like, maybe, yeah, probably around 200 pounds in fifth grade. Um, I was five foot three in fifth grade. Maybe it wasn't quite 200 pounds, but I know for sure I was, no, it had to. I, I've always been around 200 pounds. Um, all through middle school, I was. And then when I was a sophomore in high school, I lost 75 pounds. And the lowest I've ever been was like 175. And it was not sustainable. It wasn't appropriate. Like, it wasn't. You're starving yourself as a sophomore? Yes, I was. I was eating maybe one meal a day and running three miles plus doing two a days for... Um, you know, for springs or fall sports and stuff like that. Um, But even then when things, when I started noticing some things with my like relationship with my parents, as I was going through high school, I knew I was different. Like I knew that things were different for me and I was different than my family. There was something different and I couldn't describe it. Couldn't talk about it. I did some rebellious things and I went back to food because I wasn't able to talk. And that I, I want to make sure I, I share this because I want people and our listeners to understand trauma doesn't necessarily mean we had a house burned down and a ton of deaths. Yes, it can be. Trauma doesn't necessarily mean I grew up in a drug house or an addicted household and um, physically abused. It doesn't necessarily mean that it could mean that you weren't allowed to rock the boat. You were, you had to walk on eggshells. You could not speak, um, your, your actual feelings and have help in a safe place to flesh through them. Because, because we all experience trauma differently. Yeah. We all experience trauma and that doesn't trauma. Trauma is this terrible thing. You know, I had to go through, um, some parenting classes whenever some foster care parenting classes, whenever we were, um, I was like the secondary guardian to my little brothers. And so we had to learn about trauma and we're talking like hard trauma. Like my, bro- my brother's story, there's some hard trauma there. And so like, you know, in foster care classes, you learn about trauma. Like, like I have an uncle that watched his parents die trauma. You know, we're talking hard stuff, drug stuff, but my, like you said, my house burning down was traumatic. Yep. Having a, my brother, when he was my, I have a brother that has achondroplasia, him going through 19 surgeries before he was four and being put under that's trauma on our life, on our bodies. That, that didn't even impact me. Like really, when you think about something like that, your little brother having to go lay on a surgical bed and the doctor's telling him like, he might not make it. That's, that's trauma, but I never even thought about that being trauma in my life. Never thought about it. Why was that? Was it because your parents were very, um, like open and were they, did they pray with you? Did they talk with you or how did that go? Um, 
Yeah. My opposite of your family, my family does share our emotions. We, we have, you know, where we, my family's very, very close. Like when, when myself, when I got married, (laughs) I live like maybe a three minute drive from my parents' house. I ball every time I leave my parents, like not now, but like anytime that I, whenever I moved in with Judd, I missed being in my parents' house. When I would move away, I hated living far away from my parents. My siblings, when my brother got married, I cried at my brother's wedding just because like, we're not that tight unit that we used to be. It was, that was traumatic just because my family is extremely close. We all, and this might be weird to other people, but like, we've all slept in the same bed. Not like weird, but like, we've all slept in the same bed on, on Christmas, the night before Christmas, all six of us siblings, we, even my brother-in-law, my sister was like their first year of marriage. He was like, my sister said, you have to spend the night at my parents' house because we have a sleepover that night. We watch a Christmas movie. And so, but we're like, we, we cuddle on the couch and watch a movie. Like I'm super close with all of my siblings. And so, yeah, like before my brother's surgery, my, my parents were never somebody that was like, you know, we go to this church and we are a part of this denomination. And this, this is how we serve Jesus because this is what our church says. Like, in fact, whenever, um, one day my dad, it was before one of my brother's surgeries and he, we were sitting at the dining room table. We had our family devotions and he was like, okay, I want you to tell me 25 men in town who you highly respect and who you want to come over and pray over Jake before surgery. Um, so we started shooting out names. There was actually, I mean, there were a couple men from our church, but a lot of them uh, now granted, I live in a town of 2000 people you know, everybody, you know, everybody's middle name, you know, everybody's grandma. I have for, you know, you know, everybody when you drive down the street. So we had people from all different denominations, our denomination, like there were people that got pissed at my parents that they weren't invited to this prayer meeting that we had before the surgery. Um, and we had this prayer meeting, like that's what we did before surgeries. So my parents approach things correctly a lot of the time. Um, but that still doesn't mean that we didn't have trauma during that surgery. After that surgery, I, my brother, my oldest brother, um, he's two years older than my brother with achondroplasia who was having the surgeries. My brother ran a fever every night throughout the time that my brother was in a full body cast. Every night he didn't run a fever at school. He was fine at school. He, but when he came home, he ran a fever. We ran him through every leukemia test. We ran him through every, every cancer. We looked for every, everything we could possibly look for. He ran all these tests, did all this blood work. Nothing ever came back. Nothing. And it was, you know, about a year after Jake got out of all of his body casts and he was in a brace for a couple of months. And my mom was reading through this article and it said, um, trauma, like sibling based trauma and sibling based like emotions. My brother was carrying this fever. And I mean, it was a hundred, hundred degree fever every night. He would go to sleep with a fever, wake up, fine, go to school. He was for a whole year. I mean, it was actually he was in a body cast for almost two years. So I don't, but 
Why is that? There wasn't anything scientifically going on in his body, but he ran a fever for that whole amount of time because of trauma. Yep. And that's how his body responded. And I think like going back into like this lifestyle thing, we have to, we have to address our mental health, our spiritual Mm -hmm. health, our physical health, our emotional health. Like we have to address everything. And, and again, that's what many companies or many places leave off is they forget that health and wellness. So wellness or excuse me, wellness is the pursuit of health in every aspect of your life. So, um, okay. Side note, like I am Millie is in our, is in Lindsay's <laughs> video. She won't um, go away. <laughs> we both have great Dane mixes and, um, Millie. No, mine's is, full bread. Oh, she is full blood. Sorry. No. So mine, mine are great Dane and Neapolitan Mastiff mixes and, hers is like this big old black baby and she got a little and she's screen. right in my video screen she is she's right in the video screen so if you watch us on youtube you're gonna see millie make an appearance um and i'm in a closet by myself recording <laughs> so i don't get any disruptions right now um thanks yeah so but if um wellness the definition of wellness is the pursuit of health in every area of your life so you are not fully well if you are not healthy in another area of your life. And like I said, it's like psychological, your me- like that mental health aspect, your emotional health, your physical health, your um, spiritual health, your relationships, all of that matters. If you have crappy relationships, I can tell you, you probably have another area of your life that sucks too. I mean, I'm just going to be, I'm not going to play anymore. Uh, not that I, not that we do play, but I'm just kind of go. I'm just going <laughs> to be blunt and direct. Um, so if you have relationship issues, There is another deep, like relationship issues is the symptom of another root cause. So I really wanted to get that across and just kind of be a little bit vulnerable. I don't know if I've ever shared that this, like these kinds of stories. Um, so publicly and just openly before, and I hope that that at least encourages you a little bit that, you know, that you don't put off your, um, that you don't put off your, concerns or whatever and say, Oh, well, at least I don't have that. Or I didn't grow up like that or, you know, something like that. So I just like, I want that to be known that you don't have to be necessarily physically abused for you to have had some other issue come up that, that is causing you to not be well. Right. Yeah. So how do we overcome all of this? Like, what do we do? We've already said that we step by step, one, get one thing under control and then move on. Make sure you're following the area model of getting support. Um, some other practical like things, some other practical things is like, again, don't implement everything overnight. Choose one thing. And that will cause you to never want to make those, those choices again. Yeah. Yeah. Choose one thing. When that's finally become a habit, like driving a car, like that would be my, that would be my, um, that would be my, Millie just knocked over the computer. Um, the, that's just what happens when you have Danes. Um, so in your house, cause yeah, in your, little, little house horses. Um, so I would, I would measure everything against how you drive your car. If you can no longer think about waking up and having a glass of water, awesome. Then you can implement the next step. If you can 
prepare every meal and know that you have at least two servings of protein on that plate without even thinking about it, move on to the next one. If you can get 7,000 to 10,000 steps a day, you've worked out maybe once or twice that week, excellent, move on to the next one. But that has to become habitual. It has to become as if you are getting in the car and not even thinking about backing out of your garage or your driveway. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, does, does that sound like? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my brother's 15 and I'm, he's, you know, I'm taking him driving. My car's his favorite car to drive. And so every time I pick him up, every time I'm at my parents' house, he's like, you want to just go drive? I'm like, yeah. Like I remember being 15 and 16 and just can't like being so excited to run to the grocery store for my mom. And now it's like, you just hop in, you go to the grocery store. It's no big deal. But back then watching my brother, as we're driving down the road and as he's, you know, stopping completely and like that jerk and then looking both ways like now I pull up to the stop sign I stop kind of and look both ways real quick and just keep going yep. you know you, you throw your seatbelt on because it's habitual and my brother he he does everything intentionally and you can see that he's doing it intentionally he has to look for he has to look for my lights he has to look for in, you know, intentionally turning on his, his blinker yeah. and intentionally looking behind him. And I'm, I don't let him look at my camera whenever he's backing up, you know, just doing things like that, like watching it through his eyes and, and watching him learn how to drive. That's exactly, you know, I just kept picturing that as you're talking about driving your car. Yeah. It, that's super simple to him. I mean, it's super simple to me, but it's super complex to him. Yeah. And that's how all of our habits start out. And even, you know, it's easy to fall, like, here's the other, like, slogan I always say is choose your easy. Do you want mm -hmm. easy now or do you want that ease later? And it's that instant gratification versus long-term satisfaction. And we never get past that. I don't care. Like, again, most of our listeners are in the United States, so I can just say this. But in the United States, most of us, like, have never had to really wait for anything. Anything. And when I say wait, I'm not meaning like, yes, many of us have had to save money. Yes, we've had to like do, you know, save these things. But then we get what we want. Like, honestly, even our poorest of the poor here are not considered poor according to the globe. Like, we still have access to our basic needs Our and like, I mean, Jordans and iPhones and all of these things, like you're still, you're not going to go without here. And just because you don't have what someone else has or whatever. Anyway, all that to say, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> what were we saying? Um, habits, your habits, you can slide off into who you don't want to be very easy, very easy. It's super easy to get bad habits. It's super easy to, you know, all it takes is not making your good habits. Millie, you are breathing on my computer. Chill out, girl. What are you doing? Um, but, you know, making that, making that one bad choice, those, the devil is going to use your one bad choice and continue your one bad thought you're, you're what y'all Satan can use anything we do. And we, you know, we, we, we do something wrong. We sin just, and maybe not even just a sin, but something that opens a door to a sin. Yeah. 
And it's the devil is going to run with it to create that to be your lifestyle. Yeah. And as soon as you start believing, oh, this is just one time, that's the first lie. That is yeah. the first lie is that when you say, oh, it's just this one, I'm going to run through this drive through just tonight because it's been a hard day that you just, you just rip the bandaid off. Yeah. You just rip the bandaid off. And now you are start. you are down the path of starting a new bad habit. Yep. Absolutely. All right, guys. So this was the episode on lifestyle and it turned into, I hope you understand that it turned into habits and how habits can easily creep into our lives. And we have to be more intentional with putting the habits that we want, getting up, getting in the Bible, doing the things that we, that represent who we want to be, whether we want to or not. And you know, not even creating the habits that we want to, that we want to have, but not allowing our trauma to impact what we want. Yeah. Because yes, yes. Take that, but, but make it, make that trauma have a purpose Mm -hmm. and not just succumbing to the trauma and well, I had trauma. So this is the rest of my life. Yeah. Because because that's you being lazy. Yeah, absolutely. And we've all done it. Oh, we've all done it. So not, not you specifically us too. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Us too, for sure. But it takes, it's, I think that when we are able to, when we have reached a state of like even spiritual maturity where we can acknowledge and accept, okay, this happened, but it's no longer going to define me. And it's no longer going to define how I live out my life. Yeah. All right, guys, we will see you on our next episode. Have a great one. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can support this podcast by going to koko-fi.com slash even the rocks podcast, or find this link in the show notes. This helps to support us continue to make these episodes available to you. If you would like to work with either of us, you can find us on Instagram at even the rocks podcast or email us at even the rocks podcast at gmail.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please rate us at five stars and leave us a review. We appreciate you greatly for listening.